Hello, it is Thursday, October 4th, 2018. Three days before you can pre-order the greatest mm -hmm. comedic sports documentary of all time. That's in quotes, because I would never say it. Other people are saying that. A lot of people. Mm -hmm. lot people, of people are saying that. And also, the greatest raffle of all time, oh. the growth from PatMcAfeeShow.com, 3.33, October 7th, $5, October 10th. Get the documentary. Get a ticket into the raffle. Get an email from us saying hello and thank you. It's going to be the greatest week of all time, and this show is a good one. It's loaded. We got Willie McGinnis talking about his football life coming out on NFL Network this Friday. We got a whole entire story about me going to L.A. We got the fake punt story against the New England Patriots. Summer dubbing the worst play in NFL history. <laughs> I dive deep into that. And we got the inside scoop of the inside scoop, Adam Schefter. Today's going to be a good one. And as always, we're coming to you live from the company we're trying to bankrupt every single Thursday, every single weekend, every single Monday, every single day, mybookie.ag. Remember, who you're gambling on is just as important as where you're gambling at. MyBookie.ag is the greatest gambling website on earth. You can gamble on anything. That's reality TV. Check. Yep. Politics. Yep. Foosball. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Soccer. Mm -hmm. Table games. Baseball. Yep. Everything. B. Pat McAfee. B. Pat McAfee, which I just did. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. One and a half over under. I'm assuming I hit the over. Let's go ahead and act like I did. <laughs> I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hockey town, USA. We win. That's all we do in hockey. Street ball was something we did. Car! <laughs> Drag the net. Drag the net. Game on! Grew up doing that. So shout out mybookie.ag. Use promo code PAT. Get a... 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $1,000. We very much appreciate what MyBookie has done for us. We're very thankful for our guest today, and I think you're going to enjoy the hell out of this one. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is the man who has scoops on top of scoops on top of scoops. Every single Sunday, there's some story being broken that's shaking the NFL landscape, and it's all coming from one man and one man only. He graduated from the University of Michigan, and then... Oh, there's a little echo there. I like that. <laughs> Northwestern University. He's a longtime man on ESPN. If you want to know something in the NFL, there's only one man to go to, and that is Adam Schefter. Wow, Pat, that is quite the introduction. I wish I had given you an introduction that kind and that grandiose when I had you on my podcast last week. I wish the same. <laughs> uh, you deserve it, though, brother. Your name is synonymous with the NFL, and as a reporter, that's not easy to do, especially a scoops guy. You kind of flipped the game on its head when it got into the scoops game. How did you become the insider of all insiders when it comes to the NFL, Mr. Schefter? Well, thank you for asking the question. Thank you for the kind words, Pat. I would just say I've never thought of myself like that. Honestly, I've just tried to do my job all the time, huh. and it's – 28 years in the business. I've been doing it since 1990. So anybody that does anything for a long period of time, I think, obviously, if, if they try to pe treat people the right way, uh, you hope that the results are good. And all I've tried to do from the time that I covered high school sports, uh, when I was in college and getting out of college, and is just, again, try to do the job the right way, work hard, and, and do all the work that some people might not be willing to do. And no skills, no talents, 
just a lot of longevity and a lot of reliability, I guess. As a talentless person, I think you've done pretty damn good. I think I think the world has seen your hands at work. You got great hands. The jugs machine almost knocked you over, but you, you you made the catch, people forget. I've seen gifts of you bobbling <laughs> cell phones on studio sets, but you make the catch, by the way. So I don't think you're a talentless person. I think you have a lot of talent. I would like to ask you a quick question though. Yes. As I was doing research on you, I had no idea that you were also a Northwestern University graduate. You only pub that you went to Michigan. Is there a reason for that? Do you hate Northwestern? Is this a breaking news? Adam Schefter doesn't respect Northwestern? No, I love Northwestern. In fact, I went back there in 2014 and had the occasion to speak to the Medill School of Journalism. I went there for one year, Pat, and I had a great time there. I loved it. Um, Michigan is my undergraduate school. I went there four years, Um. and I I, I have not hid from the fact that I go to Northwestern at all. I'm very proud of the fact. In fact, Northwestern has produced some of the most talented people oh. at ESPN. Mike Greenberg, Michael Wilbon, Rachel Nichols, oh. Cassidy Hubbard. <laughs> they, they all went to Northwestern. I mean, it's, it's just pumped out great reporter after great reporter. They do a great job there. It's just, again, I had one year there, and actually three months of it was spent in Washington, D.C., as an intern covering campaign finance reform, which <laughs> reinforced my desire to go into sports. <laughs> and, and at that point in time, I spent nine months in Chicago, three months in a cockroach in Evanston, Illinois, and then six months in a dorm in downtown Chicago. I love my time there. I am a proud Northwestern alum. I, I, I've, I've always spoken about it, but I, I, I think people just think more closely of me with Michigan because Michigan... Uh, I've had a lot of interaction with the school and love the place, and my son goes there, and so I don't know. I think that's how it's worked out. Ah, jeez. Well, I appreciate that. That's a great answer. (laughs) So what are your thoughts on Syracuse? Is there a big Syracuse-Northwestern rivalry at ESPN? Because I think that's where everyone who works at ESPN is from, right? Well, look, Syracuse has put out a tremendous amount of great broadcasters. I mean, we go to the list. Bob Costas went there. Tarico. I think... The Rico went there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the orange, that my orange. Boss, <laughs> my boss, Seth Markman, went there. Though, though the school quickly found out he didn't have any broadcasting talent and sent him into, you know, uh, producing and directing <laughs> and other things like that. Uh, see, see, that's that's one of the skills of Syracuse. He can weed through that, and so when it comes across somebody like the great Seth Markman, it's you know, listen, your future is not. On air, sir. You need to manage people, not be reporting on people. And so he's the man that makes everything happen behind the scenes at ESPN with the NFL. You've had an incredible run, breaking news stories that nobody expects. Obviously, when it comes to having inside information, there has to be some sort of pressure on you to kind of keep your sources happy and things like that. Have you ever had yeah. a situation where a source has said, like, I fucking hate you, Schefter, for doing that? Or is it always, <laughs> is it a very kosher operation? You know, it's, that's a great question, Pat. I would say this. <laughs> um, I would say this, that I, I am not a confrontational person. I, I don't care for it, enjoy it. You know, my... You know, my, ask my wife, you know, I don't think I've, we've been married together for 12. I don't think I've picked a single fight with her. Uh, and, and, and she's feisty and fiery and combative, unlike me. So she's happy to have an argument every now and then. But when, when I, when people get upset and it happens regularly, huh. uh, it always bothers me. I don't, I don't like that. Um, and as Mort and I have discussed and people say, um, 
it's just it comes with the territory sometimes. You, you're going to report on things, say things that open. Oh man! Like hold on, and, hold on. You hold on. You cut out right there. You said you're going to say things and report on things like, and then it cut out as if it was a movie cutting out the most important part. <laughs> well, as, as I was saying, when I was so rudely interrupted by this cell phone carrier coverage, <laughs> you're going to say things and report on things that sometimes people just don't like. It's part of the job. You're no, I don't think anybody's happy when you're reporting that they failed a drug test or being suspended or being accused of something unsavory. I mean, just these things happen. You know, it's not enjoyable to talk about somebody losing their job, families being displaced. And these are you know regular storylines in the NFL. And again, I think like, you, just, you just try to be fair about it. And, and if you can be fair, then, then you're doing your job, I think, the right way. But inevitably, sometimes people are going to be pissed off, Pat, pissed off. I asked you on your show uh, because I couldn't help it because I never thought I'd get a chance to talk to you again. So I'm going to do it again on this show. Uh, The biggest story that you ever broke, and you gave me the next one, which is such a professional answer. But whenever I say... When I say yeah. biggest story you ever broke in your head right there, some story just popped into your head right there. Something was like, oh, that one was... You know was- what? Honestly, it, it, there, there's not a single story that I can give you or would rattle up. I, 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 am, I think I would take more satisfaction in just the body of work of doing what I've done for 28 years. And it's a long time. And as somebody said, it's sort of like standing in a batting cage and the Pitches just keep coming and coming and coming. And you just try to get your bat on the ball and get a single here and there. And so I, I don't I don't sit back and say, oh, yeah, I got that story or I got that story and, and reflect on that. I, I just – it's not how I think. So while I understand why you're asking the question, I'm being honest, I tell you the next – the biggest story is the next one. But the, the bigger deal really is just that – I've been fortunate enough to be able to do it for as long as I have. That that means more to me than any single story. Okay, so you can't tell us the biggest, but is there one that affected you maybe personally or one that sticks out to you, uh, something you connected with? Just bring up the Jason Pierre-Paul story so we can ask oh, you about it. Also, what is what is the next one? What's the next one? Just bring up the Jason Pierre-Paul one so we can ask you about it. What, what do you want to know about it? Like, what was the backlash on that? Because that took over the world. That changed the game, I think, for inside scoops. Because people were like, well, now some hospital worker is leaking information. And then there was like, well, we got a BOFA. What is it called? Not BOFA. HIPAA. 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 (laughs) (laughs) We got a HIPAA lawsuit. It it took over the world. That story legitimately took over all aspects of the world, not just in football world. took over everything. Is is that not Mm -hmm. one that you think back, you're like, oh, that one was a wild one that you did not expect to go the way it went well that that you know again that that story um it, it what's what's interesting when you think back on that one that, that would not be one of my more favorite ones to talk about because of the controversy surrounding it and the uh, ferocity and strength of opinions on both sides of the coin like you know i remember getting texts that night from people around the league and they're like oh my god i can't i can't believe that you got that information and other people were Furious. I mean, there were players sounding off about it. Now, again, the the backdrop to that, and I, what I what I think got lost in all this, uh, because it was controversial, was the fact that you know Jason Pierre-Paul at the time was the Giants' franchise player. They had put the franchise yeah. tag on him. 
He had not signed the tag. They didn't know when he was going to come in. They didn't know what the story was. Um, and he has this fireworks accident down in Florida, which is very unfortunate for him. So he gets taken to the hospital uh, with a hand injury. Everybody knows he's got some sort of hand injury, but nobody knows exactly what the situation is. And the Giants didn't know what it was. The Giants sent down their trainer, Ronnie Barnes, and other people within the organization to try to go meet with him to figure out what the extent of the injuries were. And they were turned away at the hospital. So they were trying to get the answers as to what was going on. And all of a sudden, you know, the situation unfolds and, and I get this chart, you know, just, just a chart that was saying that his finger was amputated. And again, you know, I've talked about this before and it's been misinterpreted. Um, when I look back on it, I wish I had had the chance to discuss it with my editors more than I did to factor in what everybody had to say rather than just acting as a lone wolf guy. That, that was my regret that I didn't have more discussions about it. But at the time, I really, I didn't view it in that way. And so, you know, we reported that he had his finger amputated. I used the chart that said it. Um, again, my, my sense was that, you know, this wasn't like a guy that was taken to the hospital with some sort of mysterious illness. Um, and, and, and I, and I violate his privacy, but there are people who still feel I violate his privacy. We can debate that back and forth. Uh, but the information came out. He had his finger amputated, and fortunately, he's been able to bounce back and have a very good NFL career since then. Just for How fe- about that? Did I, answer, did I answer your question there, Pat? Great answer there, Sheffer. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is because I thought you were unfairly crushed on that. I mean, your job is to get inside information. That was the inside information of all inside information. You did your job literally to the highest ability that nobody else could do. And I thought nobody was looking at that. I think it, I thought it was – so I'm excited we brought it up. I assumed that there was something that you wouldn't want to talk about. In my head, though, I was like, yeah, that's his fucking job is to get that type of stuff well we talked about it and i told you basically the background and uh it was it was quite an experience the whole thing i mean everything about it from the day i it, it's funny because there are certain things that just brand themselves in your mind and you cannot forget all the details and i and i remember it, it was in july and i'm in the backyard and someone someone texts me this short I'm like what is this and i called around and and uh, spoke to various people to confirm there was a chart that I was okay to use it, you know, and and uh, and 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 ran it. And the fallout was what the fallout was, which was again um, very polarizing on both sides. What's the rush like whenever you get a story like that? Like whenever the so, for instance, whenever I was punting. If I pin somebody deep, like at the one, I yeah. did my job. There's like a natural high. And whenever I do, oh, yeah. when I do comedy, if I can get the entire place to be completely silent while talking, and then completely upside down, whenever I want them to do, there's like a natural high. It's like, oh, this is what we're doing for you. Whenever you get a home run sent to you, what is that feeling like for you? Is it just like you're trying to chase that feeling every single time? You're not chasing that feeling, but you know that feeling well. And, and the feeling is one of excitement and adrenaline and anxiety because, you know, you just, there's nothing worse than having something. And then all of a sudden it, it's showing up elsewhere, you know, like, oh man, you know, somebody else has got it. And, and 
so, you know, there have been stories I've gotten where you're just, you're working to confirm them or validate them or a team wants to talk to a player first and you just wait about 10 minutes till we get the player. You know, I mean, just, just little things like even this week. I mean, it's just a simple thing, right? This week uh, had the story of one guy uh, within the last couple of weeks who's going to get released and, hey, texted the team, gave him a heads up, I'm going to report this. And, and, and one of the GMs was like, hey, can, can, you, can you just wait till I talk to the guy? I'm trying to reach the guy. And we haven't been able to tell him yet and don't want him to read about it. And I'm like, I, I, yeah, I don't want to wait long here. I'll give you a few minutes, no problem. And they, tra- they, they, they tracked down the guy and, and told him. And once they did, they're like, okay, we told the guy. I'm like, okay. And so you know, that, that, that's... You know, that, that's what it's like sometimes. You know, you have some of that. Um, but in terms of any time we get a story, I, I don't think if it's a if it's a big deal, it, there's always the heart-pounding sensation that you get. You know, when the information comes in, you're like, oh, my God, this is going to happen. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, wow. So a lot of guys find out that they're cut from you. Like that is something that is very normal. It's interesting to hear though that the GMs, the GMs are like, "Hey, is there any way you can have us talk to him first? And you're like, "Well, because it's not just you; it's the insiders all over the place that are like, because they get the information. I don't, I don't know who you guys are. Sort- I said this on your show. I have no idea who your sources are, but there, when I was on the team, I was learning things about the team that I was on from you, from a practice that I was standing at. So it was, it was a very wild situation. It's very impressive. Uh, well, you- I go back to that, that guy that the team that I texted, hey, just want to give you a heads up that I'm going to do this. And, and the text back was, that's BS. <laughs> what, what, did I, what did I do? Get the information, you know, like, hey, and that, yeah, we talk, and that brings us back to guys being upset. Now, if I had just gotten the information and spit it out, you know, that, I think that guy would have been, you know, really, really pissed off. And, and again, I, I can do whatever I want to do, right? I don't need him to approve it or sign up but i just you, you want to be professionally courteous when you can when you can and, hey why don't you guys so, hurry to fuck up i'd like to break this that's what you tell the gm hey why, why don't you <laughs> yeah, go screw yourself right <laughs> when you speak to the uh the students at the uh university of northwestern's journalism school what's the biggest piece yeah. of advice you give to those that are aspiring to have a career such as yours well, you know what? First of all, I'm really glad I did it because, it, you know, it's great to be in front of those kids. Plus, um, you know, I, I always feel it's an obligation anytime you're asked to talk to somebody about going into the business and, and those requests come in, you know, often. I'll, I'll talk to everybody, but I always say, hey, do me a favor and go back and Google my speech that I gave to the Northwestern and the Medill School of Journalism in 2004. Just Google it. It's a 70-minute speech, and there's probably going to be things in there that I say that, I'm not going to say to you today. And so there's a lot of advice and information that's dispensed that almost to serve me as here's my little how-to video that you could just watch, just go oh, on nice. Google and YouTube it, you know? So, but if I'm going to summarize, you know, what I said that there were a lot of things I said that day, I don't remember exactly what I said <laughs> that day, but I think that, you know, it, it comes back to just, again, working hard and doing the right thing and, trying to keep people trying to treat people as fairly as you can and, and, and making yourself indispensable to the organization that you work for. And, and really, you know, you hear people all the time, they say, I want to go to work 
for Major League Baseball. I want to work for the NBA. I want to work for a football team. And, and what I would say is just get in the door. Just get in the I don't care if you're cleaning the mailroom and getting the boss's coffee or scrubbing the toilets. Just get in and do it. Because once you get in, then you've got an opportunity to be around all these people and to show them your worth and your value and your work ethic and what you can bring. And once you get that opportunity to get in the door, then you want to make it such that they can never let you go and they have to have you. That's beautiful. That's a really good piece of information. I don't think anybody should dream to work for a place that doesn't have people cleaning their own toilet. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> okay, so the NFL is under a PR. And, and if, if, anybody, if anybody wants to clean my toilet, I'm hiring an intern. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, the NFL has PR nightmare after PR nightmare, whether it's with the rules or off yeah. the field or anything like that. Have you heard any discussions from any of your sources about the rules with the Clay Matthews shit that's taking over the world and every single thing that happens they kind of take over the world with every little PR problem have you ever had yeah. any, have you had any discussions with any of your sources in the league about how they're going to fix the game and make it something that everybody can truly enjoy and uh, kind of rally behind you know what Th that's the issue du jour like right now you know like, every year it's something else and, and there are always complaints about the officiating right but yep. last year you know is it a catch is it no catch now can you hit the quarterback and, and I think what the league is trying to do, and, and so far to uh, very mixed results, <laughs> is they're just trying to be consistent right now. Like last weekend in week four, you saw the roughing the passer penalties drop dramatically. I think there were two all weekend long. And, and I think they got a message across, hey, you know, let, let's try to be smarter about this. Now you still see the play like Arden Key bumping into Baker Mayfield and, and getting a call there that's like ridiculous. I mean, but again – I think as long as the league is trying to establish some consistency here from week to week, from game to game, from crew to crew, and I think that's part of the problem is that these officiating crews, each one's had its own ideas. And even Teddy Bruschi, who I worked with at ESPN, was espousing on NFL Live, and I thought it was a great point. He's like, if you're a defensive player, you need to know who the officiating crew is, and you need to study them just the way that you would study the opposing offenses so you know their tendencies, you'll know if a crew is calling a game tight, that you can't hit the quarterback at all. You'll know if they're not calling it as tight that you can you know, get some little jabs in on the guy. So it's important to know the tendencies of the officiating crew. That, that's where the league is at right now, but I think the league is just trying to be more consistent with this. Okay, I respect that a lot. I appreciate you so much, Schefter. I very much appreciate you, man. Is there any big okay, news? I appreciate you. Anything you'd like to break on my show here or uh, anything, any news that we should be looking forward to that's coming? Breaking news. Pat McAfee is not, has not given up the idea of one day punting in the NFL, but it would have to be the right opportunity at the right time with the right team. And then he'd be willing to turn his back on this fantastic media empire that he's created to go punt again in the NFL. That's a good little breaking news you just had. <laughs> pretty accurate, pretty accurate assessment right there. Uh, Schefter's podcast is really good, by the way. You were a great host the other day. I appreciate you for having me on. You're good at that. Well, I appreciate you having me joining me on such short notice and being the great guest that you are. It was fun. It's, uh, you, you, you've done a great job at, at your next career if you ever decide not to go back to your old career. And there aren't too many people who could punt as successfully as you. And then podcasts, as I, as I said in the intro, uh, punter turned podcaster. 
Yeah, not a lot of other skills too, but that, that's not, that's a little bit alliterative, so it works out. <laughs> oh, I like the P and the P there. Did you learn that at Northwestern or Michigan? One of the both. Respect. Ladies and gentlemen, the insider of all ins- Why do you and Florio hate each other? I just remembered this. Well, where, where, where do you get that we hate each other from? Well, I mean, not hate each other. What's the beef with you and Florio? Where, where have you, what have you seen me say about him? Oh, <laughs> okay. All right, there it is. All right, I appreciate that. I respect that answer. You just answered a lot of things there with that word. Right there. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, the inside man of inside men, uh, Michigan man, Northwestern grad as well. 70-minute speech. Go ahead and check that out on the Google. I can't wait to learn from you there. Check out his podcast. You can obviously see him on ESPN every single day with about five different phones handling all the business. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Schefter. Thank you, Chef. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate having me. Thank you so much. You were really incredible in there, Adam. I hope that worked out for you. Yeah, it was great. I appreciate it, man. We'll send you a link. Yeah, you got it, my friend. Thank you. Anytime, anytime you want. We'll be in touch, Pat. You got it. See ya. Take care. Bye-bye. What'd you ever hear me say about him? <laughs> That's, That's, awesome. great. That's such a good answer. It's not wrong. Yeah. That is true, though, right? Uh, I guess it is true. <laughs> I wish we could just call Florio right now. And be <laughs> Yo, Schefter said that he never says a thing about you. Because on this show, he said, I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to say any names. And I just poked the bear a little bit. And he was like, all right, Schefter. He went right at him. That's the Italian, though, yeah, Florio. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the West Virginia Italian Florio going at him. <laughs> Schefter was good there, though, huh? Yeah. 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 He was really solid. Funny. I'm, yeah, I enjoyed him a lot. He just came out with a good book, too. I heard it, I heard it was good, obviously. I obviously didn't read it. Uh, about, Todd, uh, about 9/11. Todd asked an incredible question, by the way. And he goes, yeah, yeah, just Google me. Yeah. <laughs> what a response. Yeah. Oh, good point. It is true. He's like, oh, yeah. do, you want, do, you, do you want the whole speech? I don't know. Like a 70-minute speech. I don't know what you want. I'm very thankful for him. Yeah. I'm very great. thankful for him. He's a guy that has the inside scoop because he's got his best seat in the house. Right? He's friends with everybody. If you would like the best seat in the house, there's only one place to go, one place to go at all. It used to be very complicated and confusing. The Inside Scoops game used to be very complicated and confusing. Everybody got their goddamn sources. Ticket buying used to be complicated and confusing until one company came along and said, wait a minute, let us help you out. And that is SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the greatest ticket buying app on the planet because they don't catfish you. It's easy to use, just two buttons. It's mm-hmm. e- and they will tell you the best bang for your buck because they scour and search all the other ticket platforms to see what is the best available option for you. They don't lie to you. No, no, no. They don't they don't they don't tell you bullshit uh-uh. seats. No, no, no. What you see is what you get. Whenever you go, you're gonna be like, God damn, I'm so thankful I used a reliable, confident, and incredible source like SeatGeek for my tickets. You're alive, but are you living? Go live and experience something live with SeatGeek. They got tickets to everything. Yep. Everything. Everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. You want to go? They got a ticket for it. If you want to go to the Patriots Colts game tonight in Gillette, they got a ticket for it. There was a Patriots Colts game couple years ago that has a situation that people have said is the worst football play in the history and although i was 15 yards behind the play and in a corner you can't even see me on the shot my name is at the bottom of it pat mcafee so every time this play is mentioned i get about seven thousand tweets actually what's going on here cuz well here i am to explain it to you we all knew going into the patriots game 
that every first down is a big deal. Mm -hmm. Every first down against the New England Patriots is a big deal. We lost by 50 to them before. They hung up 100 points on us before. The New England Patriots and the Colts have been a rivalry for a long time, but here in the most near future, it has not really been a rivalry. It's been much more of a windshield and a bug type situation. <laughs> so going into the week, we I, I assume that Chuck Pagano had a meeting to his coaches that was like, hey, we are emptying all of the bullets this weekend. Everything that we got, we're going to use. We kicked an onside kick against them in the same game. I kicked it to the left, which we hadn't done all year. We actually recovered it. We got fucked over by the refs. That's neither here nor there. I would have had five onside kick recoveries in one year, which I think would have been an NFL record, but instead the refs screwed us up. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. But Tom McMahon goes in. He says, I have this... Um, this little play that I think we can get too many men on the field, possibly. I think we can maybe, if worse comes to worse, we take a delay a game, we lose five yards. If we're in a pooch punt area, I think we can run this play. And Chuck Pagano's like, good, I want to hear it. Tell me all about it. What are the ins, what are the outs? You know, he drops your little thing, what are the ins, what are the outs? Tom McMahon probably got it on a dry race board and was like, here's the deal. You sub out the offense. You bring on the punt team. It's when it's fourth in uh, five or less or whenever we're in the pooch area, we can gain some yards. Sounds good. What happens is the offense will run off the field, and then we'll send the punt team out. Then it'll look as if, oh, wait, no, no, no. We're going to do what the New England Patriots do to other teams. We're going to run the punt team off, bring the offense back in, have them have to have their defense get off the bench, get back on the field. This is a New England Patriots play forever and ever. Amen. So we'll have the punt team appear as if they are sprinting off of the field so that the Patriots maybe have to either call a timeout or they will sub their punt return team out, bring their defense back in. And if nothing happens at all, if they just cover everybody up, Cool, we take a delay a game, back it up five yards. Sounds like a plan. Easy. Easy. This is a good idea. There's no risk in this. There is zero <laughs> risk in this. Zero <laughs> risk in this. I forget who the left gunner was. The way the play was set up is the left gunner, while everybody is sprinting off of the field, the left gunner, who's the far gunner, will just stop at the ball. He will become the center. The PP who fakes sprinting off the field with the rest of the team will turn around, go back. He's quarterback. If they are mid-sub, if a defense is jogging onto the field while the punt team's jogging off, they'll have too many players on it. You you snap the ball, you take a knee, it's too many men, first down. Okay, so we steal a first down, basically. If they don't sub, the ball is not to be snapped. It was either Clayton Gathers or Winston Guy who was working as that left gunner all week. All week. We repped this thing, I think, seven to ten times that week. Like, yep, this is going to work. Everybody has to sprint as if they're sprinting off the field in a panic, and then you just stop by the sideline. You didn't sub, so the ref won't stop it for the subs because the offensive team didn't actually sub. So everything will happen. Hopefully we'll be able to out Belichick. Belichick. Mm -hmm. That was the thought. Or we take the delay again. Mm -hmm. Get to game day. The left gunner who was in all week practicing as a center. In the playbook it says... In the actual playbook, the rules, it says, if the center gets under center, we are snapping it. If he doesn't get under center, it means they didn't sub, we are not snapping it, okay? Griff Whalen, Stanford guy, backup holder, he's the guy that we put in every situation. The left gunner, either Winston Guy or Clayton Gathers, gets hurt or gets sick, he's not in. So we just go, cool, we'll put Griff Whalen in that spot. He's a smart guy, he'll be able to figure it out. Griff Whalen reads the playbook where it says, if the guy gets under center, we're snapping the ball. Okay, so as we're going onto the field, Cole Anderson, who's the PP, Chuck Pagano says to him, hey, if they don't do it, maybe a hard count. See if we can get him to jump off sides. Um. Doesn't tell Griff Whalen. He only tells Cole Anderson that. Tom McMahon has no idea that this conversation happens. No clue that this happens. So 
This all happens. We get on the field. We're calling it. Everybody's like, I can't believe we're fucking actually running this. <laughs> so they call it. We sprint over to the side. We stop. Griff Whalen is now the center. Nothing happens. Colt Anderson stands there for a second, and then Colt Anderson gets under center. Griff Whalen reading the playbook is like, well, fuck, here we go, because his head's down. He's yeah, not yeah. even looking up. He goes, hot, hot. Hot, hot, like three huts trying to draw him off sides. Snaps it, gets tackled. That's why whenever they cut to my face, I'm like, what in the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Bro, what just happened? Because for me, by the way, just for future reference, I was on a Pro Bowl-like run that year. That's an inside to 20 punt that is getting taken out of the stats. That is giving them the ball, which is what I'm on the field. Field position is what I'm there for. You're giving the fucking Patriots the ball at the 45, basically. It looks like a nightmare. It was a whole situation. So I come over to Tom McMahon. And I'm like, what the motherfucker are you guys doing, right? I'm yelling at Tom McMahon, little Tom McMahon, who's now Denver Broncos special teams guy. You don't, don't fucking, I don't know what the fuck we're doing either, Pat. I'm like, why? <laughs> so I go to Griff Wayne. I'm like, what the fuck you snapped the ball for? He got under center. If he got under center, he snapped the ball. I'm like, who told you that? He's like, the playbook. I was like, ah, I've never read that. I, <laughs> I have no idea if that's the case. So then after the game, still, until the game ends, nobody has a clue what happened, right? Stadium included. Yeah. Nobody has a clue. The internet's already upside down by this point. We go into the locker room. Colt tells Tom McMahon, he was like, oh, I, I was trying to draw him off sides. And Tom McMahon, like, who the fuck told you to do that? He was like, Chuck said that maybe try to draw him off sides. So now there is a five oh. different layer of, yeah, yeah. there's a lot happening here, which a simple communication error, by the way, just a very, very simple communication error causes the worst play in NFL history, possibly. And my name's at the fucking bottom of it anytime <laughs> it goes out there. It was mind-blowing. Other side of the ball, did they just not sub at all? No, they just, they just moved all their players over, and then they had three guys yeah. over the ball. Yeah, they they didn't even think about subbing. And I think it's because we didn't sell the run off the field hard <laughs> enough, I think, some of our guys. But also, we didn't line up right. So all the weeks of practice, <laughs> the guys lined up off the ball. They're supposed to be on the mm. ball. So when they ran over, they just lined up off the ball. So even if it works, we have a penalty for having yeah, too many yeah. people off the ball. It is what we like to call a nightmare of a situation. But all week we thought, yep, the worst thing that could happen here is we take a delay of game. Best thing is we steal a first down and we out Belichick. Good Belichick. plan. Great plan. I mean, we say it all the time when things like this backfire. If it works, genius. genius. Yeah. If it doesn't, yikes. <laughs> Live on the internet forever. But that's all it is. It's just one little communication. And there's no way Chuck was trying to fuck over the play, right? right. Just by saying, like, hey, try to draw him off sides. We're going to take a delay game anyways. Try to draw him off sides. Because it's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. It's a great idea. But and if there, he doesn't know. There's no way Griff Whalen was trying to fuck over anybody. It's literally just a communication error times. <laughs> <laughs> infinite <laughs> embarrassment. That's exactly what it was. We obviously going to lose that game. Could have won it. Bing, bang, boom. Keep it moving. It was wild. Wow. I was never more mind blown in my turn. Like, what the fuck are we? I go to Tom McMahon. What the fuck are you doing, man? If you're going to run a fake, at least have me be involved in it. Let's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're at least going to run a fake. At least let's have, let's have an athlete be a part of that this. That would be thing. tough. You only get so many moments to run those fakes. Ugh. And then they run one and it's like, you're on the field. And you're just watching, like, helpless. And Tom McMahon, too, whenever I go over and I start motherfucking him afterwards, he was like, don't you, what do you, I don't know what happened either. I'm like, how do you not know what happened? And then it all came out afterwards. And this was during the Chuck Pagano or Grigson time, too. Like, who's going to get fired? Who's not going to get fired? So Griff Whalen is just getting crucified, like, absolutely murdered. Cole Anderson are getting murdered and murdered and murdered. And I went on Bob and Tom, the local show, and I was like, yeah, hey, this is just a communication error. Somebody told one thing, one thing, somebody else another thing. This is not Griff Whalen's fault. Griff Whalen <laughs> is a nerd. That's what he is. He reads it. That's what it is. There's no... There was no one's fault. It was neither of their fault. It's literally no... But it's... In the end, 
It is just one gigantic communication faux pas that'll live on forever and ever. Amen. And uh, my name's right at the fuck at the bottom. <laughs> I was so confused. I was so, so, so confused. They, they actually showed my face. And it, it, it's always like whenever we did the fake in Jerry World and I threw it and Dewey dropped it yeah. or whatever. Dewey McDonald was one of our best players that year, so I couldn't be that pissed off at him. I mean, I was for sure because we ran it 82 times in practice and he caught it every single time. <laughs> so I, it's not like I could be. But they show, they always, it's, the camera people are so good at just like zooming in on people. Oh, yeah. so they're like, oh, Pat's probably pretty pissed off. There's a director like, zoom in on McAfee, zoom in on McAfee. <laughs> and my face isn't always the best. I wear, people say they wear their heart on their sleeve. I wear my heart on my face. You can yep. very much know exactly what I'm thinking on my face. And it's, it's pretty wild seeing. It was, Bortnoy said he was at that game. And he said he'd never been happier when something happened. <laughs> he said, because the whole crowd was just like, what the, f we look like idiots. They look like complete idiots. Worst play in the history of football, they say. Worst play in the history of football. Now, basically everybody that was part of that play is gone. And here we are talking about it. <laughs> All because here. of one little ad lib. There was worse. the coach made. Hey, to make you feel better since you're on the field, there were worse. Somebody didn't take a knee and the Eagles uh, returned the touchdown for a win. Dan Orlovsky ran out of the end yeah. zone. <laughs> He's on TV now. <laughs> giving other people advice. <laughs> Not me, though. Not me. Unbelievable. The next guy we're about to talk to, by the way, says that I should be on TV more. He did. Mm -hmm. And I think he is a guy that should be listened to. So maybe I should be hired. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're looking to hire somebody, there's only one place to hire somebody, and that's at ZipRecruiter. Welcome back, ZipRecruiter, by the way. ZipRecruiter is the greatest hiring site on earth because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands and thousands of resumes identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply to you. So you get qualified candidates first before anybody else. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the United States. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a thousand and thousands reviews. And right now, listeners of this show can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash McAfee. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash McAfee. ZipRecruiter.com slash McAfee. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. There are job sites that send you tons of wrong resumes to sort through. That's not smart. Mm -mm. No. There are job sites that make you wait for the right candidates to apply to your job. For your job. That's not smart. Mm -hmm. Smart. You know what's not smart? Using your relatives to fill in at work while you look for your staff. You don't need to do that. Dummies. You don't need to do that. Mm -mm. You need to find the right candidate today. And ZipRecruiter finds those right candidates for you. They got eyes on, oh, they're looking out for you. Yeah. yeah. You got eyes on your six, and it's ZipRecruiter being like, this guy's good. This girl's good. You need this. This is great. Here they come. Bing, bang, boom. Scanning. Uh, you, know, you know what's not smart? Hmm. Making the lottery the centerpiece of your retirement plan. Oh, yeah. So what, ZipRecruiter told me to say that. I'm not sure that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's not smart? Huh? What? What's that? Letting your friends pick your karaoke song. True. True. Yeah. True. Terrible. True. What is smart is if you're looking to hire, you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash McAfee. ZipRecruiter.com slash McAfee. ZipRecruiter.com slash McAfee. Big respects to ZipRecruiter. I love what they do, man. My dad used them to hire for somebody. It was very nice. We'll use them the next time we need a production editor, a graphic designer, anything like that, because yep. ZipRecruiter is the best place to go. Mm -hmm. They are the best. ZipRecruiter.com slash McAfee. <laughs>
Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a monster of a man. He's a two-time pro bowler, three-time Super Bowl champion. He's on the New England Patriots all-1990s team. He's on the New England Patriots all-2000s team. That's two decades worth of teams he's on. Remember that. <laughs> He has a football life on the NFL Network coming out that you will need to check out. A man who went into New England and became a leader not only of the team, but of an entire region. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the most respected men I've ever heard spoken about in NFL history, the monster, Willie McGinnis. <laughs> what's up pat man that was a that was a hell of an intro man I, I appreciate it brother no problem i try to get people hyped up just so they understand and recognize how big of a monster you are man everybody that talks about you just talks about the the presence the command of respect that you have not only because of the towering man that you are but because of how profession you are vinatieri speaks nothing but great things about you the football life previews tom brady speaking nothing but great how is um, your time in New England. How was that kind of a life-shaping moment for you? Did you go in there as a leader? Did you have to become a leader? What is the Willie McGinnis life story? Well, I think when you when you first come in, um, you learn a lot from a lot of different people. You know, Chris Lay was one of the guys who took me under his wing. Andre Tippett was a great mentor, um, you know, and, and a couple other guys on the team. Um, but just putting your head down, going to work, you know, exemplifying the work ethic and doing everything in your power um, to want to be great and to want to play at a certain level uh, and having high expectations coming in for the fourth pick overall, you knew there was a lot of pressure. So you didn't want to let people down. Um, you didn't want to be known as one of those guys who didn't fulfill, um, you know, his draft status. And, you know, personally, I just had a lot of pride, man. And I wanted to, to work and I wanted to, to play at a certain level and be recognized and, and want people to know who I was and have a presence on the football field. Well, I, I think you definitely did that. You accomplished job well done, my friend. I think everybody <laughs> would say you did that. You're from Long Beach, um, California, obviously. The NFL locker room is a melting pot of human beings. You got guys like Tom Brady who have kind of a bad body from Michigan in there. You have <laughs> Adam Vinatieri, a little uh, basically a country boy from South Dakota. You're from Long Beach. And the NFL locker room is a place that's a melting pot where everybody kind of comes together with very, very, very different backgrounds. How do you think the NFL locker room uh, compares to what everyday life should be, if that makes sense? Well, it's a little different, you know. Um, it is a melting pot, and you do have a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. And I think the one common goal in a football locker room or a lot of team locker rooms is to bring um, a lot of men or women together for one common goal, and, and that's to go out and, and win and play at a certain level. Um, and, the, you know, the interesting thing about it, when you factor in um, – where everybody's from, um, your draft status, uh, your contracts, um, you know, what your role is, position is, whatever the case may be. You deal with a lot of egos. You know this. You've been in locker rooms. You deal with a lot of egos and personalities and things of that nature. And, you know, for, for a coach or coaching staff and organization to get men, like I said, or women to buy in 
um, and put individualism aside and everything is team first, um, that's tough. You know, that, that, that's truly tough and it's truly hard. But, um, you know, we were able to, to kind of find that recipe and, and put it all together, and it still exists in that locker room today. And uh, it's special, man. You see it all over the league with different teams here and there. We saw it with Seattle when they had their run. Um, we saw it a couple of years ago come together for Atlanta when they started the whole brotherhood thing, and they all believed on one thing. Uh, you're starting to see it in Tennessee uh, with Mike Vrabel and his crew of guys and, and his, you know, his players. Um, it, it's special when it comes together because you can start to feel it. You see it with the Rams. You hear Gurley talk about how competitive they are in their locker room and how they push each other and um, all the different personalities and superstars there, um, how they're able to, to come together on both sides of the ball and, and the way they're playing. So it makes for a dangerous team but also it's something special when it happens. Is it more important to have a good locker room or does the coach have to be great? Like why is Bill Belichick able to do what he's able to do for so long and some coaches can't? Why is Vrabel going to, what it seems to be, go in there and just pick up right where, like just go become an elite coach immediately. McVay, same thing over in L.A. Why do some coach have it? Some coaches have it and some don't, Willie, in your honest opinion. Well, first of all, you got to have a great football mind, and I think the one thing that exists in all those men is they have a great football IQ. Um, they have a great football mind. Um, in Vrabel's case, you know, he's learned from a lot of different uh, coaches and systems that he's been a part of. Um, this is something he wanted to do uh, while he was playing football. Well, we used to talk about it in the meeting rooms while we were getting ready for games and and things of that sort. So he's always had the passion and and wanted to be a coach. Um, Belichick, man, he eats, sleeps. I mean, he's he's just his mind, his football mind, and he's also smart outside of football. But when you put everything together and, and, and what he's done and how he assembles teams and being three steps ahead of everybody and – game planning, preparation, um, evaluating players, putting it all together and, and and being able to coach every position on the football field and go on the other side of the ball opposite where everybody thought, you know, he was great at just defense and offensively game planning helped help the offensive side break down defenses. Um, I've never seen anything like it. His work ethic, um, his ability to foresee things and, and put you in positions and tell you, hey, these things are going to show up. And magically they show up during a football game. Um, is, is, I mean, it, it, it's incredible. And then Sean McVay, man, I, I've had times and spoke with him and talked with him plenty of times. He's so passionate. His energy, um, his play design, his creativity, his memory. Uh, I think a lot of people starting to, <laughs> you know, starting to see how, how smart he is and the way he can remember and assemble and put things together. And when you have a talented group of men, it's a challenge sometimes to put guys in fine roles for everybody and, and, and put them in position to succeed and understand their, their strengths and weaknesses. And these coaches all have the innate ability to do that. And um, I'm just excited to see where, you know, where do you see where, where Sean McVay is going? Where do you know about Bill Belichick? He's a legend. First ballot Hall of Famer in, in Vrabel is just getting started. So, um, those three coaches are, are, are kind of on the same page in a lot of different ways, but very exciting to watch and watch their teams. 
All right. I can't wait to watch A Football Life, Willie McGinnis, Friday, 8 p.m. American Standard Time on the NFL Network. Um, you were from Long Beach, obviously. You went to Polytech. Then you went to USC. How hard was it to be a college stud in your hometown? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was fun, man. It was always a dream of mine to be a Trojan because they were not just a football team. They were family, and you never leave the university. Once you go, you're always a Trojan. And, you know, what was special about it is it gave me the opportunity for my parents. Um, we couldn't afford college and all that stuff. We definitely couldn't afford USC. Um, but me getting a scholarship and, and being so close gave my parents uh, and family an opportunity to come watch me play um, and be close. And for me to get a great education and also be, you know, on the highest level when it comes to football. So, um, I, it was special. Um, I'm still a part of the university. I'm, a, I'm an ambassador of the football program. And like I said, they're family. And uh, it was great for me to, 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 to be a kid from Long Beach to be able to go up and play for one of the, you know, for a childhood, you know, dream of an institution like USC and still be a part of that, man. So I'm lucky. I'm blessed, man. I say it every day. Was there another school you had in mind? Obviously you wanted USC, but was there another one that was like in the decision? Yeah, I, you know, I went to Colorado. I went to I, I visited UCLA, and I went. You know, I canceled my trip to a lot of schools. I canceled my trip to Notre Dame and Miami. I was just kind of over the recruiting process. I knew where I wanted to go, so I was kind of over it. But there was a little pullback because I, I went. I went and visited Colorado, and my my dad really liked Colorado, so there was some conversations there. But you know, I had to make an executive decision to, to, to make sure to let us know I was going to USC. You get you're the fourth pick of the draft. I should have known that, by the way, before you said it there. That's something I should have looked into <laughs> as a host of a show. That's on me. Uh, what was your first purchase? Fourth pick of the draft. Uh, that had to be a pretty good day. What was the first purchase? What was the first thought? Like, OK, we finally got cake. What are we going to get now? <laughs> Uh, it actually wasn't for me, Pat. It was for my mom. Oh, it was I the Toyota it. Camry. The first thing I bought was the Toyota <laughs> Camry. So, those were the hot cars back then. Fully in loaded. And that's something she wanted. So I bought mom's a Toyota Camry. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. You get up to New England. Have you Had you ever been to that part of the country before? What was it like transitioning from being a Cali boy to now living in the New England area, which is vastly different, I'd assume? It's totally a culture shock. And, no, I had not ever been in the region. Um, didn't know anything about New England. I would, you know, when I got drafted, I was like, where the hell is New England? What am I playing? Um, is it anywhere near I, old I, England? I, 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 yeah, I thought I would have to play out of the country. You know, I, I'm, I'm naive, young. I didn't know what was going on, but it was great. And um, I fit right in. I fit right into the cold weather, the seasons changing, all the different, you know, nuances that goes along with the East Coast. And, um you know, I, I, I like to say that I'm a chameleon when it comes to that, man. I, I had no issues. The people, the fan base here were great. A little different. They talk a little bit different. Um, <laughs> the numbers are a little bit off, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, so like I said, the culture is totally different. It's, it's a historic city uh, that I lived in, in Boston, in Marina Bay. So it was great. But guess what, man? It was, it was, a, it was a rich tradition of, of great sports teams that some I used to watch with the Celtics and Lakers being from, you know, being from Long Beach and LA area and, you know, the Red Sox and, and, and of course 
you know, the Patriots, we started to build, you know, build our thing up and then, and then also the hockey team, you know, so there was a lot of tradition and, and, and rich history of, of, of sports in the New England area that I just was able to witness win championships and, and, and be a part of that and, and watch it and be a fan. So, Will, you talk about all that greatness in New England and you guys, all you did was win while you were in New England. What was it like going to Cleveland to end your career? What was Yikes. that? What was that like Bro, going from New England to pond. Cleveland? <laughs> it was it was it was difficult, man. Um, only because I was used to winning so much and, and, and playing it. And, I, and Romeo Cornell was the head coach. That was a big reason why I went there. Mm-hmm. He was try, he was trying he was trying his damnest to Im- implement the the culture and and the history, the winning, and all the different things uh, to Cleveland. And we just couldn't get enough guys to buy in. And that's powerful. If you do, you'll be successful in your win. If you don't, you won't win many games. We did go 10-6. and six. Um, I will say the fan base there, the fans, they're electric, man. They're wonderful. Um, there's not, you know, outside of New England and a couple other places, a more dedicated fan base um, that I've ever been a part of. They're very supportive. They're hungry for a winner. Um, I did enjoy living there, man. I lived in Strongsville and, you know, I lived in the suburbs versus when I was in New England, I kind of lived towards the city, mm-hmm. but I lived in the suburbs. The people were nice. They treated me like royalty, man. And it's a beautiful place to play, uh, football, especially if you're winning, man, this team, you know, and talking about this team coming up and I know this, this is not what you asked me, but they've got a lot of pieces. And I believe in John Dorsey and Alonzo Highsmith and Hugh Jackson. Um, they're going to get this thing together. And once they do, man, it's going to be a fun city and a fun team to watch. There was a part on Hard Knocks where you were doing a hit in Cleveland. And you basically showed Miles Garrett like three different moves real quick. Fast forward to the next game, Miles Garrett gets like seven sacks <laughs> using his who who are some of the now obviously JJ Watts an animal and JJ Watts little brother TJ Watt is making plays. Miles Garrett I'm taking the credit for all those sacks that Miles Garrett <laughs> You know that, right? Yeah, I'm you, taking all the credit for every single sack that he ever gets. You should, and it's documented too. It's on HBO. It's documented. Who are some of the young guys that kind of excite you at the outside linebacker position? Well, of course, I like Von Miller. He's not young, but he's definitely consistent, and he's one of the greatest to ever do it. Definitely reminds me of Derek Thomas, a guy who was one of my mentors who I looked up to coming into the league. Um, I do like Clowney. I think, you know, now that he's in shape and he's healthy, he's a force to, to reckon with. You mentioned him. Miles Garrett is definitely um, is definitely one of those guys. Um, younger guys that are in the league now, I like Yannick Ngakwe. Um, I think he's a beast. Um, Wake. I like all the great pass rushers, man. And also, I like the guys that not only are pass rushers, that can play the run, you know, that, that have strong hands, that can play the run. Um, Derek Barnett, I like him. He's a young kid, defensive end, that plays the position well. I, I like a lot of guys, man. I'm a big fan of, of, of all these guys. Um, Khalil Mack, of course. Talking about a monster, you, you introduced me as a monster. He's a monster of the midway right now. That uniform, that whole Chicago Bear mantra, all that stuff fits him perfectly. He's been destroying teams, 
And I still don't understand why he's not in the Raider uniform, but I'm going to leave that alone. They're uh, looking but, for a pass you know, rusher, he's man. Definitely a monster. The Raiders are looking for a pass rusher. It's hard to find, says Gruden, man. It's hard to find, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he's I, – I don't get it. And then uh, also Demarcus Lawrence, man. He's another guy i got to mention that, you know, I'm, I'm cool with him. We're, we're – we're, we're we're friendly with each other, man. And every time I see him, he's we we talk ball, and he's he's definitely one of the best too. I mean, I got a list of them, but I just hey man, I'm lucky. I get to work for the NFL Network. I get to talk about these guys on a daily basis, yep. and and offenses and quarterbacks and all the other things. You know, I'm just not pigeonholed to, to defense. So uh, for me, I'm it, it's great, man. It's it, it's a fun ride, and we've had you on the show. Uh, we love for you to come on the show more often. You're great on TV. You're a great personality. Willie, um, you gotta you gotta come and hang out, man. Like you you do a great job. And and the time you came on, we had a great time. Willie, when I saw you the first time, I saw you in the NFL Network studio over there. I literally accidentally turned to my right, and you were walking down the hallway, and you blocked the entire fucking light from the hallway <laughs> from how large. I, you were walking away, and I literally looked. I said, "Who the? F- what is that?" And they were like, "Willie McGinnis." I was like, "Holy shit! He, you, he, you're what six five? I don't. You, you look like you could still play right now if you had. It was one of the most insane. And they say all men are created equal. That's complete bullshit. <laughs> and that, that is." <laughs> You're a monster, Willie. I appreciate you so much, man. I appreciate you so much. Hey, Willie, I have a question hey, for no. you. Uh, you obviously have this competitive animal that's very hungry inside you that drove you to the success you achieved. How do you feed that animal now? Oh, man, sometimes you got to put that animal to sleep. You <laughs> just overbearing, man. Um, I sit and I watch these guys, and I kind of play vicariously through a lot of these guys now. And like I said, I get to... I get to stay close to the game and talk about it without hitting anybody or taking any hits, which is which is special. But I find myself doing other things um, in business or, you know, working with the youth or working with kids in high school. Um, I'm really big on giving back um, and, and feeding these kids the knowledge and trying to give them hope uh, wherever their background is or where they come from or their circumstances that no matter where you're from or what you're going through, if you just stay the course and, and, and understand it's a process, you have an opportunity, not just in sports, but to do anything um, that you, you, you know, you can, you can dream or hope to do. So I think I feed it that way. My wife always gets on my ass cause I'm never around. <laughs> I'm so busy and in golf with work and kids and football and my daughters are playing volleyball now. So I'm, 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 I'm the obnoxious dad out there yelling volleyball chants with the other dad <laughs> with my volleyball shirt on. Side out! Side out! I stay busy, man. And I, I, I get the energy out a lot of different ways, man. Trust me. Football Life Friday, 8 o'clock. I can't wait to watch and learn more. Uh, thank you so much for all you did for the game. I hate what you did for the Patriots, but no, that's neither here nor there. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us, brother. I appreciate you. Hey, man, no problem. And Pat, 
uh, I just real quick, the Patriots are playing yeah, uh, your Colts yeah. tonight, Thursday night football. Who who are you taking? I like. Um, do I like, you have a favorite pick? I like the Colts with seventeen. With your head or your heart? I like the Colts plus seventeen, <laughs> Willie. I like the Colts plus. <laughs> <laughs> That's you think the Patriots team, Josh, uh, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman. You think that team's going to get right back on track and uh, another ride? Are we going to have to watch you Patriots folks just so. ride to the top again? I think so. I think it'll take a few weeks, man. Josh Gordon, um, Edelman is definitely further along ahead than Josh Gordon. He's got, he's got a few weeks, and I think that was a long-term decision. You know, uh, week eight, week nine, once he gets acclimated to the system, the playbook, Brady, um, the adjustments Brady makes in games, um, them making a push for the playoffs, they may be on the road, who knows. You're going to need some firepower, and I think that was something that, you know, if he if he has everything in place and he's He's settled in, man. That offense is going to be going to be pretty tough to deal with. I thought this was it, by the way. <laughs> I thought this was it. You I know? did too. Did I did you? too. I just can't let you go, Pat. It's just too hard, man. You. You're too fun. Can't just let you off the air like that. No, I'm talking about the Patriots. I thought this was it for the Patriots. I thought the dynasty had come to an end. Oh, hell no. (laughs) Belichick was at the Minnesota Timberwolves game. Every time you guys try to kick him out, every time you guys try to kick him out, man, they just just come back stronger for whatever reason, man. I think they feed off of that. So people should stop saying the Patriots are done and start saying the Patriots are great. They're going to go all the way. And maybe they'll go opposite. But whatever they say, they're done and they're terrible. And this is the end of the era. What do they do? They put it together and they find a way to sneak back into the Super Bowl. Well, I think I speak for the majority here. If you can tell Tom Brady, we can't wait to watch him go undefeated for the rest of the year. And they're so dead. Ladies and gentlemen, absolute legend in the NFL, Willie McGinnis. Thank you so much, Willie. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cheers, man. Cheers, brother. Thanks, Pat. Keep up the good work, man. I appreciate you. I'll be in L.A. this weekend, actually. Well, come by the studio, man. I mean, you got to get on air more, man. You got to come up there. Like, you do a great job, man. I appreciate that. I just signed with an agent, so it might possibly happen. We'll see what happens. Hey, man. Give them a call. I know they're pretty high on you, so that's easy money, man, for you. Uh, Come get some of that money a couple days a week. That's such a good idea. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you, man. I'll see you this weekend, hopefully. All right, brother. Yeah. I'm flying to LA today. Three forty. Three forty today. Yeah, three forty today. I'm excited to go out there, man. It'll be a good time. Yeah, Sunday will be, be awesome time. for you. What's on the agenda? So tomorrow, Jim Rome. Yep. Nice. I'm gonna be on the Jim Rome show. Nice. The jungle. And then I'm going to lunch with him. Oh, really? Wow. Nice. I guess me and Jim Rome are going to lunch. That, be cool. uh, what I've been told, though, is his studio from everybody else is like seven hours away. So, like, the CAA guys are like, hey, just a little heads up. We're going to send you a car. Have some stuff to do because it's like an <laughs> hour and a half, two hour drive each way. And I'm like, where the fuck is he? They're like, you got to remember traffic. Rose around a long time. And I'm like, yeah, a long time. And he's got a monster following, too. Oh, yeah. And I guess I've been. I don't want to say a fan, but from afar, I've been a he's, he's, respect. I've respected yeah, Jim Rome. Yeah, he's good. He is. I think, he, and I think his fans are a loyal bunch. They are, and he like shits on them all the time. Like goes at them big time, and they still come back. Mark Madden style. Yeah, I don't. He's not quite that extreme, but like he's he still like really riles them up. I'm real excited to go meet him though. Like mm-hmm. I'm real excited to go meet him. Mm-hmm. I'll be on the show, and then we're getting lunch together afterwards. Because I don't know what the plan is, but I'm excited to kind of. I think he's. 
honestly, I think he wants to offer me some advice, like on the That's whole cool. world, which mm-hmm. is really, really mm-hmm. cool of him to do. You know, does he play like a character? I've never seen him. Does he like play? No, a character? He's, he's himself. You've I have never no seen idea. Jim Rome. Probably. Yeah. What do you mean? Everybody and their mom has Ty a Jim Rome impression. I can do his voice for you if you yeah. want. What okay, is it? I'll close my eyes. Go <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dark yep. hair. Yep. Yep. Goatee. I know him now. Um, have you said anything to them? I was just saying something to Evan about if if you could getting on like Bill Simmons' pod because I feel like his audience would be a big. Thing. Is he in L.A.? Yeah. yeah, the Ringer offices are in L.A. Yeah, I think the Ringer crowd would be one that would really, like, invest in, and want to buy your documentary. Yeah, so Bill Simmons has built just, like, four monsters, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. He's like the yeah. Elon Musk of medias. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is? Because yeah. Elon Musk, right, mm-hmm. builds a company, billionaire, mm-hmm. goes down to zero. Builds a company, billionaire, goes down to zero. That's kind of the Elon Musk. Bill Simmons has done the same thing, right? Yeah, he, he started page two, which was just... Kind of like, uh, very, I don't want to say barstool, but like funny writing and stuff like that that wasn't on the ESPN homepage. And then he started Grantland, which was like a huge, you know, like uh, media kind of empire type thing that folded when he left ESPN. And then he started Ringer right after that. I would like to, because I guess LA is so big. And I was originally supposed to stay on Hermosa Beach on the Strand, which is where I plan on retiring at some uh-huh. point if mm-hmm. I ever get enough money. Those houses are like $30 million, and no <laughs> punning money was ever going to get there. So <laughs> I, th- I would say the Hermosa Beach Strand is probably the reason why I ended up retiring, just for future reference, mm-hmm. or the house down in Naples, Florida, that yeah. I saw. Punter money was never going to get it, and it was what I was looking for. But so that I, I was supposed to get that Airbnb lady who says that she's not a scam. It was a scam. 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 Mm-hmm. So now we're staying at a hotel in Santa Monica. Uh-huh. I guess we're right by the pier. I've never done the Santa Monica pier, really. Mm. And I've heard it's, it's awesome. Cool. Yeah, it's that's where uh, Whitey Bulger was caught. Maybe go to Santa Muscle Monica. Beach and do some things. They got sea lions there? Whitey Bulger was caught at Santa Monica? If I remember correctly. Is yes. that the pier that fucking Vinny oh, yeah. jumps off of in Aquaman and Entourage? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be hard not to do that. <laughs> Got a hole in my eardrum, but it's going to be hard not for me to be like, Sam, yeah. Sam, record this real quick. Are you going to write a talk to everything? Sam, yeah, from, from behind me. Go ahead and record, please. What was Santa Monica, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so we're staying there, but I guess that's near. So I'm going on Rich Eisen show on Monday. Mm-hmm. So I'll be at Rich Eisen studio on Monday. And then on Sunday, I think I'm going to be at Fox all day, nice. which is going to be pretty cool very they, cool they're gonna give you your tvs to do your videos that's what i'm i'm very worried though because this is like a very huge <laughs> opportunity to go shake the hands of the shake the hands of the fox people but i'm like man sunday's a pretty big day for me i get a couple million views on these brand videos and i'm like what am i gonna do right in front of like terry bradshaw be like terry if you could please keep it down for a second I gotta, <laughs> yeah i think that's exactly <laughs> what needs to happen hey uh hey uh i know this is probably your like kind of thing but I kind of got a thing too. So if you guys could all just can you rewind that too, please? TV one. <laughs> I mean, TV one. If you could please rewind that. You get Terry in the background hooting and hollering. I yeah. think oh. it's a big hit. You, oh. you butter up Terry a little bit. Tom, your dad was a huge fan. He's a Yenzer. He grew up in wherever. Fucking Carrick. Four stills. Four stills. <laughs> Same thing. I mean, it's close. I, I am excited to get in there, though. That'll be a very, very cool thing. It's day one, by the way, of the pre-order for the yep. mm-hmm. uh, for the documentary. Mm. It's going to be, I don't know what to do. Wait, what documentary? This is probably going to be the end of the show, so people have heard about it. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. There was no pre-show meeting for me to know. <laughs> we don't have pre-show meeting. This will all probably get placed after Schefter, if I had to guess. So this whole conversation, starting with the bull spoiler. Yep. Will come after the Schefter interview, or do we go Schefter first or Willie McGinnis? Who do you think we do? Oh. Oh, which one's longer? Mm, probably put like both after. Like will be. I think Schefter will be longer. I like putting the longer one second. Yeah, both after hockey talk probably. Let's do hockey talk right now. We'll do hockey talk right now. Hockey talk will be at the end of the show. Okay, cool. Good time.
Hockey started. Hockey started. Uh, That's hockey talk. Yeah. <laughs> Capitals blew the doors off the Bruins. Brad Tom, Marchand, dummy the guy. Tom Wilson suspended 20 games. Quarter of the season. Human. That's awesome, by the way. It's a big hit. A.Q. Shipley, very happy. A.Q. <laughs> yeah. Shipley called me yesterday midday. Honestly, just to tell me that Tom Wilson's been suspended yep. 20 games and it's about time is what he said. <laughs> it was hilarious. By missing those 20 games, he will not get a paycheck this season. Huh? Oh, what? He signed an extension, so he got a $5 million signing bonus for his contract, but that's the only money he's getting this season. Like, the suspension equals the amount of money he was paid from his last contract, so, like, he's not going to get a paycheck for the entire season. Really? Playing for free like Chris Long? (laughs) Pretty much. Good guy. What's the NHL do with their money when they suspend the guys? Because uh, the it, NFL says that they donate yeah. it, but who knows if that's no true? Nobody no knows way. if that's true. They donate to Roger's pocket. Yeah, right, yeah. right, into, right into Roger Goodell's fucking suit collection. It goes into some fund. I forget what the purpose is, but it definitely goes somewhere. I would love for somebody who's been suspended a bunch, like James Harrison would be the perfect guy because he's mm-hmm. been suspended hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to do a lawsuit to the NFL for them to check their books for where all the suspension money has gone. And then that would be a federal audit would have to come in. Yep. Then a settlement would happen. Then something would happen. That would be a wild scene. It would. James Harrison's the only guy to do it, too, because I don't think he's scared to go to war. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, you would have to go to war with the NFL. But it's crazy because that's – every time – like, I got suspended by the Colts. Mm-hmm. To the tune of a lot of money, like seventy five grand or something like that, over my entire career, it's where where's you guys just pull that out of my? Where's it go? Where does it? And then I watch Jim Irsay buy a two hundred fifty thousand dollars drums. <laughs> I'm like, is that for my fucking? Wait a minute, <laughs> I have a question, Jim. I like you a lot, but is that directly out of the thing you just pulled out of my fucking pocket right there? It's an interesting situation. In the NHL, it's a players' emergency assistance fund, whatever that means. Oh, I got you. So we, whenever the um, the lockout was about to happen. Much different than a strike, by the way. Yep. For those of you that don't understand, strike is the worker saying no. Lockout is the owner saying no. You can't come to work. So there's two different looks at this. The NFL was a lockout. For five years or four years before the lockout was about to happen, the NFLPA was saving up for a chest. Mm -hmm. A war chest is what they called it, to pay for themselves, basically, lawyers. Like, well, we're going to have to pay lawyers. I'm like, well, aren't y'all motherfucking lawyers? Like, is your salary not (laughs) enough? What do you mean we got to pay for lawyers? And they're like, well, it's going to be blah, blah, blah. So they were pulling money out of people's paychecks Mm -hmm. to go into the war chest and it ended up being up over it was like a hundred million dollars i think in this war chest yes it was something absurd and i have no idea where that money went i still have no idea where that money went and i think i'm really the only person that's ever been like to the nflpa like yo where's all our money like what are you guys doing with all our money i don't know they're like well you gotta save it up for the next lockout which is happening in 2020 possibly when uh the next cba's up it's like then when it's not, what happens with that money? Do you dump that back into my, is that coming back into my pocket if we don't use it? I don't fully comprehend this it. This would be an interesting investigation if somebody opened it up. Just follow that money, at least from the fines. You know what I mean? They'd I don't know about like, you hey, guys. Yeah, Grixon had a Bentley and he named it Pat Mack. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine like, a real that. treasure chest with $100 million. War chest sounds pretty cool. It it's a war chest. Cool. is what it, it, It's actually called a war chest. It was a part of their presentation. It even popped up on the screen. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we're going to build up this war chest so that we can pay for whenever we go to battle with the NFL. I'm like, well, there's our first issue is calling a business negotiation a battle. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, just, yeah. let's just get it in. We're walking into something we shouldn't be walking into there. Let's maybe change the way we look at this. Hey, we're walking into a business negotiation instead of saying we're walking into battle mm-hmm. with a war chest. It's like, oh, so we're well, never going to get a deal. Well, done. now, in fairness, you can't call it a war chest unless you call it a battle, <laughs> which is yeah, pretty right. cool. So. Pretty good point. <clears throat> but it would be interesting to watch where that money goes. It would be. We yeah. should get one here. 
A, a war, war chest? chest? Yeah. All right, we'll take it out of everybody's salaries. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll do it exactly how the NFL does. Oh, NFL uh-huh. PA. Good idea, Nick. Good idea. We'll take I'm a company guy. 15, 20% of everybody's uh, salary. No big deal. Yeah, or you institute some rules and we get fined. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't oh, like no. either of those oh, ideas. No. Listen, I like a good fine. <laughs> at the least, if it's not a war chest, at the least it should be a slush fund. Can we have a war briefcase? I have a briefcase ready to go. Yeah, I think. Well, I think our funds we would only with... fit in a yeah. briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'd... maybe a fanny pack. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we'd have a chest. I don't know if we're we able to start have... with like petty cash. Why you got to jump to a fucking war fund immediately? So Chuck Pagano had an interesting. If you were late, you were fined a certain amount of money once. Mm-hmm. If you were late twice, three Smart. times. Yeah. He had a certain thing, and that all went into like a fund of some sort, and it went into Christmas. Uh, tips yeah, around yeah. the building, uh-huh. which is a pretty cool That's thing. That's a really cool idea. But when the teams find you, I wonder what happens. Yeah. Chuck asked me to coach in the uh, NFL PA Bowl. Hmm. Really? I guess he's coaching. It's uh, it's out in Los Angeles. Well, that'd be fun. Yeah, he asked if I would coach uh, special teams. I think oh. it would be very cool. That's college kids? Yeah. None of them make it to the NFL. The NFL PA Bowl is another waste of fucking money that the NFL PA <laughs> does. I, now, granted, maybe these kids will, with my guidance, mm-hmm. we'll get them into yeah, the NFL maybe. Know. We never know. But that was something that the NFL PA put together with, I think, the war chest money that was left over, <laughs> where they just need to spend the money. And I was just flipping through the TV, and I saw this NFL PA Bowl on, and I saw about 25 people in the stands watching it, uh-huh. and I saw zero players that are going to make the NFL in it. And I'm like, what the f- Why are we spending money? Well, there's a potential opportunity to make a lot of money with the TV rights and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, let me know when that happens. <laughs> let me know when that And it never did. It's probably some kind of write-off. But, but they take our money and then put it into this shit. It's like, just give me my money back. You know what I mean? But that's nah. the, that's not the way I guess a union works. I'm a very anti-union NFLPA guy. A very anti-NFLPA guy. Didn't even sign with it my last couple of years. Didn't even sign in. Was one of the only players that was like, I'm not supporting this bullshit. And they still took my money, obviously, because it just comes right out of your fucking right. paycheck anyways. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I took a real stand doing that. And if I go coaching that NFLPA ball, that'd be kind of... Oh, God damn it. I'll be giving back to the game, though. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, if you see the way things are run and you don't agree with it, then... Well, it's because they show up. Every NFLPA meeting is at the end of a fucking 14-hour day. We have your Madden checks. Here's 10 grand. As soon as this meeting's over, here's 10 grand oh, yeah. from Madden. Dangle the carrot. Oh, yeah. And then everybody's just like, okay, we're getting the Madden checks today. <laughs> you know, that's going right to the dice game here in like 25 minutes or whatever. And then we watch a presentation about how in the 1930s, guys were uh, basically playing with rats and had to clean the stadium. And then the union came in, saved the day, got them the contracts that they got, which I appreciate. I pre- I think there's a time and place Different for ev- time, yeah. for everything. But nowadays that is, now we got dummies running and making decisions and I'm like <laughs> I got a question, right? So at the beginning when I first started asking questions it was a big sigh and moan from the crowd, right? Cuz uh-huh. it's like does anybody have any questions? As soon as there's oh, no yeah. questions, you were that guy. Yes, exactly. So the first early in my career like years 4 and 5, I was good at this point, so I I could speak if I wanted to. But I asked a question and I get like a sigh from around the room. And then the question I asked, though, a lot of the older guys were like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hear that answer. And I'm like, thank you. you yes. yeah, all right. So then it became like something like, okay, they're coming in. This is McAfee's. This is, this is going to be a time. And then I stopped going to the meetings. Like I was like, oh, I'm not even going to go anymore because it's just yeah. – you never get an answer. They talk around it. I yeah. was very anti the I suspect a lot of guys like the Madden thing were probably like, oh, you're going to put this in the video game? All right, cool. That's exactly – Like just the novelty of being oh, yeah. in a game. Well, because sure. you look at the check you're receiving, which is – 
monstrous. You look at the game check you're getting each week. Uh-huh. You look at that. You look at the insurance you're getting. It's good. You look at your 401k. It's good. But that's from the NFL, not from the PA. Mm-hmm. You start looking at everything. You're like, oh, life is really good. So there's no reason to ruffle any feathers. Mm-hmm. But then whenever you start like peeling back the curtain a little bit after you're in the league for a little bit longer, you're like, wait, yeah, things are good. But there's a lot of people living a great <laughs> life off of us being good. And then questions start happening. And then there's never any answers. There's never any answer. There's a guy in a suit up front who's smarter than you in his head writing on. I had a this. I had one of the NFLPA guys had a dry erase board who was just drawing circles on <laughs> it about where the money goes to me, and that was his answer. And they put a like a period and they put the marker down. It was like a a mic drop situation, and I wanted to be like, yo, that made no sense, <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't. I was just like, oh okay, oh okay, that makes sense. I'm not coming back to one of these meetings. <laughs> I stopped going to meetings too. The union meetings? No, we had, a, we had a Friday morning meeting every Friday. And it was basically just to highlight everything that everyone did during the week during the, for the company. You're a dumb one. And after I was there for like three years or whatever, I was like, fuck this. Like, these are the dumbest things ever. I'm just going to sit at my desk and be on the internet. It's basically and everybody then, just patting they themselves re- on their back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they realized I wasn't in there. And uh, that, that was a bad day. Uh, can somebody go get digs out of his fucking cubicle? <laughs> He's the only one that isn't. We here. had a similar thing. They were called all hands meeting, yeah. where everyone in the building had to be there. I just started making up things and like meeting with doctors and stuff during that time. My so like, bosses, 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 like you think you're better than everyone else in this company. You don't have to go to these meetings. I was like, we sit there and clap for each other for fucking forty five so minutes. It's the dumbest a, shit in the world. So all these meetings are just pat on the back fest. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 huge. Do you guys have that at state police? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, you'd have to go meet and like um, some member of the superintendent's staff would sit there and talk about how yellow jackets, having yellow on the back yeah, of your so jackets, dumb. make you know all this shit, and you're like, I really don't give a fuck. <laughs> like I just go, dude, I just go out and catch bad guys, dude. I don't care. And about then the your people who have been there for like less than twelve months are super fucking exciting, and you got to shoot them looks every fucking time to shut the fuck up. I can't wait for us to start doing this. <laughs> I'm going to make everybody sit down. We're going to have big music, smoke. I'm going to come in. This uh, week, Zito did this. Zito had uh, 30,000 views this week, everybody. Zito! Good job. I'm so pumped Next week, the goal is 31. Let's oh, go. Hey, Zito! That's like, well, whenever we were at Barstool, they would send that weekend email yeah. and that's what it was it was like a big uh it's that but a meeting which was very nice to put into words what everybody did but our particular thing nobody would read ours and nobody would read that thing anyways that thing no, foxy so said that todd re- wrestled an alligator this week <laughs> <laughs> no one batted an eye no one said a goddamn person. thing what do we say dave Chappelle came into the Correct. office yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but we couldn't put it up because his special wasn't there yeah, yet yeah, yep. arnold schwarzenegger did something we put like an entire <laughs> thing we sent it over to new york and copy they, paste they would put it in the copy email. paste put it <laughs> in didn't there. read it just put it in there <laughs> We're the worst. Yeah. I understand why people hate me. Like, <laughs> as I'm, because I'm writing a book a little bit. Oh, I'm writing a book. Yeah, with your hands or in my phone <laughs> oh, okay. in the notes section. And it's not like the word for word, but it's just like stories that I think have shaped me yeah, into yeah. the human that Bullet I am. Points. And every single time I write a new thing, now I'm like, what a fucking prick! <laughs> like, what an asshole! And it's always for the good of the people. Everything I feel like the people. But it's always the people that would be like if I was my boss in yeah. a lot of situations, or my college coach, or my even whenever I was playing Beadling Cup soccer coach, yeah, yeah. or even my high school, I mean, my high school teachers, or I, I would hate me too. But I feel like I was on the right side of things mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And I assume there's a lot of kids that were a lot like me. I just so happened to hit a higher percentage of being right than yeah, the, yeah. those kids. So it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's a tough, that's a tough thing. But as I'm writing these situations down, I'm like, oh. 
Oh, I'd probably fucking punch me in the face <laughs> if I was that boy. Oh, they would do that because I I feel like my thing is I can sniff bullshit pretty quick. Yeah, I feel like that's something I have a, and I think it's from my my mom's. My mom and I have both have pretty big sniffers, and I think mm-hmm. we can sniff the bullshit with the quickness. And also, my mom reads WorldSourceNews.com, so she's mm. the eternal pessimist, basically, at all times. And I've been taught that my entire life. I'm a big fan of Sal. Yeah, Sal, yeah. She, you and Sal are right in the same vein. We get along. Sal <laughs> reads... I'll say... I'm going to L.A., by the way. I'm going to L.A., you know? Mm-hmm. And my mom sends me a text this morning about some mass killing that's going to happen in L.A. within the next <laughs> two months that she's going to see. That's worse than me. You no, know, like a virus or something that's going to... You know, the smog over there is causing a virus that could potentially kill people in the next year really? or so. Yeah, it's, it was on some website that she accidentally clicked on. And yeah. it's, uh, the only worry you have is if you hear, if you feel any rumble, start spreading inland because at any day, California can be in the ocean. Well, I'm going to be Santa Monica too. That's all the way out oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the furthest out there, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe yeah. I'll be all the way on the pier when that happens. So I'm the furthest west guy. <laughs> That'll be a good little... First to go. I'm the first one to go off. I was the first one to break free from America. <laughs> I am the I am the Christopher Columbus of this new world. When we broke off, I was the furthest west. That would be hilarious. Absolutely hysterical. But yeah, I'm writing a book, a little book thing. That'd be funny if you release it like just like an ebook, but it's like all notes. Like the note section, you have to like flip through it. Yeah. Mm. The thing I want to be do- like a Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> we need to buy this. The thing I want to do is I want the first book I read. To be my book, <laughs> and it's the what's that called? The audio book mm-hmm. of oh, my book. To yeah. be, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say let's be your honest. Would you actually read your book? But if you're doing the audio, I would have to. have to. I'd be forced to. So yeah. that would be the thing. And I think I would lead off with. By the way, what you're li- listening to is the first time in my life I've ever read a book. So let's do this. <laughs> I was born on. <laughs> it would be funny if you corrected yourself in the voiceover as well. Like, ah, that didn't happen. Hey, this is, who wrote this? <laughs> I don't remember that happening. I ain't right. Oh, fuck. Life is stupid, though. So Fox all day, Sunday. It's pretty cool. Then Rich Eisen on Monday. Then Red Eye Monday night into here, 7 a.m. Tuesday morning. We'll record podcast Tuesday morning, mm-hmm. and then the new day is coming into the office oh, from WWE because WWE's in town. So that's uh, my schedule here the next couple of days. Nice little weekend. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm going into the CAA building by the way on Friday. Mm. I bet you're excited. Saturday you can enjoy the sights. Yeah, Saturday is an off day. Shabbat, by the way. My agent is practicing Shabbat. I don't mm. know if you know what that is. He's an Orthodox Jewish man. Yeah, I watch Entourage. So on Saturday he can't. He you can't, can't have roll. His phone. So Shabbos. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Ari had his phone though. You can't roll on Sunday. Yeah, but I don't think Ari was. Mrs. Ari wasn't happy. Yeah, Miss. Remember they had to go to like all types of meetings because of it, and that was (laughs) my guy hasn't decided to say fuck his religion yet. (laughs) (laughs) I think that'll happen at some point. I assume, but he's like, yeah, Shabbat, bro. Shabbat, 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 Shabbat. Anyways, hopefully all this will work out. Trying to host a game show at some point. Mm -hmm. Trying to be on the TV, talk about the football Mm -hmm. at some point. Mm -hmm. It's gonna happen. I think so. Yeah. This no, book thing's no gonna be pretty cool. And this documentary coming out on Sunday. Pre order it for three thirty three and on the release October tenth for five dollars, which every single purchase gets you a raffle ticket. You will then receive an email to potentially purchase more raffle tickets if you would like to get more tickets into the greatest raffle of all time. The Groat, the Groat, the Groat. Job Shadow, Nick Moraldo potentially. That thing has gotten more heat than anything else, by the way, Nick. Got a lot of love too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, yeah, he, he meant good heat. Heat, good heat, good. Oh heat. yeah, yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's going to be interesting. I think it'll be fun. I think people are underestimating what we can do. I heard Pat's going to give us a company card for the day. Maybe what? let us take the Bentley in. Wow. Uh, these are all just these <laughs> are all options on the table. The these are all lies. If that's the case, you better bring a lot of money. And whenever you bring the money in, I am going to put it right into my Ridge wallet. The oh. Ridge is a minimalist front pocket wallet that helps you reevaluate your everyday carry. Launched by a father-son team and funded on Kickstarter in 2013, the Ridge now resides in the pockets of over a quarter million men and women. The RFID blocking wallet, RFID. Mm, it's important. Oh, nice. Wow. Can you know what that my means. Info. Yeah, you know what that means, right? Mm -hmm. What be, is it again, Todd? RFID? It's uh, really fucking identified. Yeah. <laughs> identity <laughs> blocking. Radio frequency. Radio frequency. Um, Intelligence. Indemnification. In wallet. It's blocking your wallet. wallet. Yeah. You have it so people can't steal your identity when they're just walking by you. Mm -hmm. It's made by two metal plates, either titanium, carbon fiber, or aluminum, bound together by a durable elastic band. Ooh. The Ridge is the greatest. We all have them. They sent them to us. By the way, I will say this. We did not buy them, but they sent them to us, yes. and they I would buy another one, yes. just for future reference. When this carbon fiber front pocket wallet that I have from Ridge is I don't because carbon fiber never breaks either. No, so this yeah. is probably light, a, very light. That's a tough business decision, by the way, because I'm never gonna have to buy another one. So that's tough for them. Mm -hmm. So I will have this wallet for the rest of my life. Right. You should too. And the only way to do that is to get 10% off right now with free worldwide shipping by going to ridgewallet.com slash pat. That's R-I-D-G-E, Ridge, wallet, W-A-L-L-E-T, dot com slash P-A-T, and use code PAT and get 10% off the greatest wallet you'll ever have. Good wallet. I love it. I absolutely love it. They had a deal with us uh, whenever we were back with Barstool, and they sent me a wallet to try, and our sales guy took it. He stole mm -hmm. it. Yeah. He did steal my wallet. Do you want to get him on the phone real quick? Well, he said he'd give us some quotes about how great it is. I never really understood. Well, I can ask him right now. Well, I asked. Uh, is he here? Hey, uh, hey D-Rock, can we get some quotes about the wallet? I'll tell you what, Pat, that Ridge wallet is really something special. I know they <laughs> sent it to you, but I really needed one. So, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, the there's Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Ridge Wallet. Big thanks for them. Welcome back, by the way, Ridge Wallet. Great to have you. Mm -hmm. Great to have a Ridge Wallet, too. Everything that D-Rock said was 100% accurate. This wallet is awesome. Whenever I know somebody's wrong, I very much enjoy the question situation because it's only a matter of time. When everybody knows somebody's wrong, it's easy. And it's fun. It's a lot of fun to find a kind of put somebody in a blender it's a blast <laughs> it's like dr phil mm -hmm. it's what dr phil does phil like, bull oh i missed it again i'm two episodes behind someone from bull he was, was in jury, dude. singing an anthem oh. last night he was in jury he was in a jury what yeah yeah he was in a jury last night it was I, brilliant I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. good idea yeah how does that happen it was a good idea it was yeah, a really good great idea. idea did he sway the jury I'll, actually i'll watch it i'll watch it i'll watch it because if you're in a jury, now Sam said this because she was once in a jury. Could he have not just said, because he was in for jury duty. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give away to, we, this probably won't be even be on the podcast anyways. He was called for jury duty at the same time he was supposed to represent a lady who was up for murder in the courtroom below him. Mm -hmm. So he was trying to get out of jury duty so that he could get into the thing. Yeah. And he basically told the judge, and it was the jury that he was a part of, was about a guy who was practicing law whose law degree or bar was expired or something uh -huh. like that, and he won a case against a prosecutor, and the prosecutor is now filing a charge against practicing yeah. law without a bar or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he was in the jury for that case, and that's what he does, basically. Yeah. So he practices law without a 
a yeah. bar, yeah. basically. That's why he always has to sit like second chair. Yes, because yeah, he's not an actual attorney, lawyer. Yeah. He's a trial scientist, yeah. right? So he should have immediately been. That's what I thought. Because couldn't he have just told the judge, like, I am biased. Conflict I am definitely going to vote for this guy. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Couldn't he have done that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he didn't do that. No, because he <laughs> but wanted he, to stay on the jury. No, hole. but he needed to get off the jury. There's like the story, the, the story was, yeah, exactly. There was a, It was bad writing, I thought. In my head, I was like, this is bad writing. Yeah. Because he could just say, yeah. I am going to vote this guy innocent. Yeah. No matter I did the what. same thing. Yeah. And in the middle of court, by the way, he asked the, the witness a question from jury. <laughs> <laughs> Judge, I know that the jury or jurors are allowed to ask a question. And she was like, yep, you're right. Go ahead. And he put this fucking guy in a blender. And then the guy answered. He's like, no further questions. And then the the other lawyer was like, ah, uh, the case rests or the defense rests or whatever. Yeah, so he he basically won the trial from the juror, the juror thing. And then he goes downstairs, saves the day. Classic. It's uh, Chunk. Chunk Palmer. Black guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the uh, stylist of Bulls, so he gets the witnesses ready to look professional. He uh, sang the national anthem for the Yankees game last night. He played for the George Bulldogs in Bull. He was a former running back gay oh. guy. <laughs> he was also George Washington in Hamilton. His, really? Yeah, I'm looking him up here. Really? Not the one. Not my George Washington. <laughs> he wasn't my George Washington. He was a George Washington. A bald my, one. So many George Washingtons. My Alexander Burr, sir, was the guy who hated John Legend, too. Mm -hmm. He's just a bad guy in everything I know him as. Mm -hmm. He's talented. Those Broadway people are so talented. Oh, yeah. I don't know how they don't get... Do they get paid well? Yeah. I I is that a dumb question? Yeah, they yeah. do really well. If you're on Broadway. Do they really? Yeah. Especially like the lead people. It's like eight shows a week, though. Yeah. And there's, there's, they just run and sweat. Yeah, it's basically like being <laughs> in the WWE. I mean, you have that kind of schedule. Yeah, just no traveling. Yeah. It's just right yeah. there. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they do it. Because they can all sing better than most motherfuckers that are out. Mm -hmm. They can all dance better than most motherfuckers that are out. But they're confined to a four-block radius in New York City. <laughs> I, I don't really get it. I don't yeah. understand it. I don't crazy. understand it. I'm like, why don't you all just go on The Voice? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this eight days a week thing could all stop. You just go on The Voice right over there. Yeah. Hashtag end gang, hashtag end game. Go ahead and think about what I look like while looking at that Godzilla of a character, Willie McGinnis, <laughs> walking down the NFL Network hallway the first time I saw him. It was like, I think it was like 5 a.m. maybe. It was a one of their morning shows. It was like 5 a.m. over there. And I just kind of walked in, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, my first time ever in a TV studio. I opened a door, and the hallway is just one long hallway like you see in movies. And he's just at the other end just blocking the light from the other side. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> oh, that's Willie McGinnis. I'm like, oh, my fucking God. I had no idea that... I didn't know that it, it could be built like that. <laughs> I, I've been in the NFL a long time. I didn't know there was humans built like Because he's like an hourglass, too. So it's not like... He literally looks like a superhero, like that Incredibles guy. You know, that, that incredible, incredible. Yeah, that goes yeah. like... Because he has a jacket on when he's on TV, I think. He was without a jacket, and he was tucked in. So he looks exactly like... It, it was like, what the fuck have I done wrong? <laughs> hashtag what I acted like there. Hashtag Endgame. Hashtag Endgame for that. Also, get in on the hashtag PMPBP. Um, what was it again? I forget. It was something. Listen yeah. to the last episode. I don't know. I forget what it was. Remember, it was something. Yeah, it was like your reaction. To were... the raffle. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Hashtag G-R-O-A-T, by the way. Greatest raffle of all time. All those tags, get them in there, possibly win some merch. We are handing out merch like hotcakes, by the way. It's mm -hmm. unbelievable because we run the merch now. Mm -hmm. Go to com. October 7th, pre-order 333, greatest raffle of all time, greatest comedic sports documentary. Uh, October 10th, five bucks. We appreciate you so much for fucking with us on this beautiful Thursday. Hope you have an incredible weekend. I'm heading to L.A. in like an hour.
Yeah, Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Don't worry. How about William McGinnis, by the way? Just uh, give me a little stroke there in the middle of that interview. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Nice. Clip that. We also need to uh, very nice of him. Just too. go to the first thirty seconds of every interview and get and clip together everyone saying that's hell of an introduction. That's the best introduction. And just roll together like fifty of them. <laughs> Is that what we call a sizzle reel? I don't know. That's Foxy. Know. Sizzle. <laughs> Evan's supposed to be doing sizzle. <laughs> uh, what's Foxy supposed to do? Anyways, have a great Thursday. Tweet us. Fucks with us. We'll see you soon. Have a great weekend.